Welcome to the Health Disparities Podcast, our regular multidisciplinary exploration of health equity-related subjects, brought to you by Movement is Life. We're a non-profit coalition with a mission to eliminate health disparities that we see across race, ethnicity, gender, and zip code. And we're back from our summer break and looking forward to a new season of episodes with some really exciting guests and topics on the schedule, and some news about Movement is Life and our upcoming caucus in Washington, D.C. So first of all, let me introduce our esteemed guests for today's discussion, during which we're going to preview our upcoming annual caucus and share with you information about how you could attend. Dr. Millicent Gorham is the new Executive Director of Movement is Life, and that's a position created when Movement is Life achieved nonprofit status earlier this year. She joins us directly from leading the National Black Nurses Association, and she's been a long-standing member of the Movement is Life Steering Committee. Welcome, Millicent. Thank you so much, and good day to our listening audience. I am delighted to be the inaugural executive director of Movement is Life. Yay! So it's been uh, 11 years that I've been on the steering committee, and it has been a joy to work with all of my colleagues from this multicultural, diverse group of health leaders from around the country. And I'm excited about the caucus in November and look forward to all of you all joining us in Washington, D.C. Thank you, Millicent. And also with us today is our long-standing caucus chair for Movement is Life, Dr. Mary O'Connor. She's a past professor of orthopedic surgery and rehabilitation at Yale School of Medicine, but she recently swapped her surgeon's gown for an entrepreneur's desk as co-founder and chief medical officer at Vori Health, a new venture making musculoskeletal care more accessible and equitable by taking it online. Welcome, Mary. Thank you, Rolf. I'm delighted uh, to be on the podcast today and very excited to share uh, with our listeners some highlights about our upcoming caucus in Washington, D.C., again, November 10th and 11th, and really looking forward to highlighting um, some of our exciting uh, plenary speakers. And Millicent, it's great to have you here today as Executive Director as Movement is Life moves forward as a nonprofit organization. What are some of the exciting opportunities that this new status will potentially bring us? I'm just really excited about what all this portends for Movement is Life, and particularly around our ability to look for opportunities to collaborate with other nonprofits, other associations, other corporations that we haven't been able to do so in the past. And so we, we will be able to collaborate with them on health advocacy, on gaining more visibility around health disparities, around health equity. and collaborating with corporations, associations, other nonprofits around community-based programs that will certainly help to improve the health status of everyone. So we're looking forward to, to collaborating on fundraising activities, on programs, and public policy. That's what gets me excited about Movement is Life. And Mary, what would you like to add to that? I agree. Our transition to a, a nonprofit status gives us um, many more opportunities. And I just want to acknowledge the ongoing support uh, that we receive from now the Zimmer Biomet Foundation. 
They have been an amazing organization supporting us from our onset and now continuing to support us through their foundation. So I, I just want to acknowledge Brian Hansen, the CEO at Zimmer Biomet and the entire Zimmer Biomet family for their ongoing support of our important mission. Mary, could you say a little about the main theme of this year's caucus? The theme of this year's conference is health equity beyond the headlines. We have seen uh, a much greater and broader awareness of health equity given the pandemic. The pandemic is, of course, a horrible thing that has happened to us all. But one, I would say, positive that has occurred from the pandemic is a recognition of the horrible inequities that so many experience. So we are looking now for solutions beyond the headlines to really say, how can we continue to work to eliminate these disparities? So this caucus is about solutions. Thank you, Mary. So let's take a look at some of the highlights and keynotes of the plenary sessions for the November caucus. Starting with our first speaker after your opening remarks, which is Cara McClellan. And she has taken on a new role as Director and Associate Practice Professor of the Advocacy for Racial and Civil Justice, or ARC, uh, clinic at the University of Pennsylvania. Her plenary presentation is titled Racism in Healthcare, Affirmative Health Action? Mary, your thoughts? I'm really looking forward to this because we know that there have been a lot more conversations and challenges around the need for diversity, for example, in medical school and in medical training, and whether, quote, merit-based admission standards should be the only type of criteria for consideration. I think it's a very interesting conversation to have. My husband and I have this all the time. Uh, and I continue to say, but if it was because I fall on the we need diversity in our in our uh, healthcare workforce, and if it was just based on merit and everyone was so smart, then help me understand why we have such disparities. So uh, I'm very interested in Kara's session. I think it will be really enlightening uh, for everyone and educate us better on some of the legal and regulatory issues uh, that we're facing now. And then following on from that, we have a panel discussion about racism in healthcare. So Rolf, this panel will follow Kara McClellan's opening remarks, and that will allow us to have a a more in-depth conversation and gain additional perspectives on racism in healthcare with three incredible leaders. Dr. Bonnie Simpson Mason is now the Medical Director of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion at the American College of Surgeons. And Dr. Elena Rios is President of the National Hispanic Medical Association. Frank McClellan uh, is a well-known expert uh, in healthcare law. So this will be a fascinating panel for the audience to hear their insights, and also for us to understand how we can move to solutions. And then later in the day, we welcome Fawn Lopez, publisher and vice president of Modern Healthcare, and her talk is entitled Harnessing the Media's Power and Purpose in Our Fight for Health Equity. Millicent, your thoughts on this talk? 
Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited about Fawn Lopez being a part of Moving His Life. I followed Martin Healthcare for many years, and I'm just excited about what the media can help us do in terms of health equity and, and dealing with the health disparities. You know, we talk about the vicious cycle. We talk about cardiovascular disease and high blood pressure and diabetes and depression and how they impact our overall health care. So can you imagine what her conversation will be in terms of exploding the media uh, around health equity and cardiovascular disease, around diabetes and everything that we've dealt with in this last two years with the pandemic around depression. So we're really looking forward to her presentation and what that portends not only for modern healthcare, but what that portends for all of the media outlets. And Mary, any additional comments? Modern Healthcare has been uh, a publication that has really, um, in, in my mind, kind of stepped up and started focusing specific sections on health equity and, you know, a call for papers related to health equity and really uh, understanding the importance of elevating this issue across all of healthcare. So, and um, and Fawn has been a leader in that regard. So uh, we're just so blessed to have her. And I echo uh, Millicent's comments about the power of the media to really help us achieve solutions, right? Because awareness is essential, but we really have to move to solutions. Okay, and next for discussion, one of the early highlights of the second day is Dr. Garfield Clooney, and his talk is advocating to increase diversity of clinicians at the decision-making table. Dr. Clooney is the Associate Professor and Vice Chair for Diversity, Equity and Inclusion at the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology, NYU Grossman School of Medicine, and he's the current President of the National Medical Association. Millicent, your thoughts on Dr. Clooney's talk? I think that Dr. Clooney will give us a great opinion around decision-making in terms of getting more diverse clinicians into medical school, out of medical school, through their residency programs, while they're in the hospital. That will make a difference in making sure that we have access to clinicians that look like their patients. And I think that's the exciting part of his, his presentation. Mary? So I am so excited about Dr. Clooney's talk and feel that it will really follow very nicely Kara McClellan's opening plenary, um, which is discussing affirmative action, racism, and healthcare. And now we have Dr. Clooney, who is the president of the National Medical Association, continuing along that theme with how are we going to increase diversity of clinicians at the decision-making table. And we know that trust is such an important element of the healthcare uh, provider relationship with the patient. And so, again, it comes back to how do we improve diversity in the healthcare workforce which will promote patients feeling more comfortable with their providers, their clinicians. And it's not just the diversity of the healthcare workforce, but it's having diversity around that decision-making table. Because we know 
that the more diverse a group is, the better the decisions are that they make. That has been shown in businesses when boards have more women, uh, for example, on their boards, they're more profitable. Corporations make more money. So this question of how important is it for us to have diversity at the decision-making table, I think is really critical. That's why I, I'm really excited about Dr. Clooney's presentation. And then another highlight of the second day is Dr. Alicia Jackson. She's the System Vice President of Population Health Innovation and Policy with Common Spirit Health. I am so excited that we have Dr. Jackson. She has been a leader in health equity for years. And Common Spirit is a very visionary health system committed to health equity across all of, of their institutions and the patients that they serve. And so as we look to how we are moving beyond the headlines and finding solutions, we need those solutions to come from every aspect of the system, from healthcare systems to neighborhood pharmacies to physicians to policymakers. And so really we want the caucus audience to be able to come away with important messages from multiple sectors, health systems, businesses, policymakers, etc. And then we really focus on how essential it is to have good healthcare resources in our communities. We have two speakers who come from the worlds of neighborhood pharmacies and health insurance. Firstly, Dr. Priya Marman from Walgreens Boots Alliance, and she's talking about ways that Walgreens is advancing health equity for our communities. And then Jennifer Truscott, who's with CVS and Aetna, and she's talking about moving and improving, achieving health equity for our communities. Mary, why is the community focus so important? Well, that's a great question, and I am so excited to have uh, these individuals with us. We are seeing a transformation in healthcare where basically the void of patients having access to primary care that has been created or exists in the current healthcare system, that void is being filled in the commercial space. So these companies like Walgreens, CVS, that were traditional pharmacy companies have recognized that there's an opportunity for them to be many primary care centers. And so that is a fundamental transformation of how patients can access care. I think it's very exciting. The more that we can make health care easy and accessible to patients, particularly those who are have been traditionally challenged to receive care, the better. And many of these, as we know, many of these pharmacies are, are located in, I, I would say, less advantaged communities. So the opportunity for health disparities to be decreased um, through these efforts is huge, and the leadership in these companies has focused on that. So I am like so excited uh, that we will be able to share these leaders with our caucus uh, attendees. And Millicent, what would you like to add? I think Dr. O'Connor is absolutely right in terms of where the where CVS is and where Walgreens is in our in neighborhoods. They're everywhere, 
And this is the perfect opportunity for communities to take advantage of getting their primary care services taken care of right where they work, right where they live, right where they play, right where they worship. And so this is a perfect opportunity for us to find out what the vision is of, of Walgreens and of, of Aetna CVS, find out what their vision, what their mission is, what these community programs portends and how we might be able to work with them and making sure that people can have better access to health care. And then we continue the Health in Our Communities theme with a panel discussion. Well, that's correct. That panel will be with um, Carol Naughton from Purpose Built Communities and Marissa McKeever, who's uh, from Johns Hopkins and was at Sibley Memorial Hospital. And both of these uh, groups have been incredibly uh, visionary in their approaches to addressing health equity. Um, Purpose Built Communities has been a public-private partnership, basically <laughs> building communities uh, for individuals across multiple income streams and focusing on really uh, the quality of life and their experience in those communities. I am super excited that we will have Carol Naughton back. She was a plenary speaker with us a few years ago, so really excited to learn how they have progressed uh, with their with their mission and vision. And then Mar Marissa McKeever, um, equally uh, visionary, the, the um, innovative programs that she led at the uh, Sibley Memorial Hospital, part of the Johns Hopkins system, are very impressive with direct outreach to the community, actually asking the community, what is it that you need from our healthcare system, right, to, to make health better for you. So um, super excited for that panel. And Millicent, what are you looking forward to about this panel? They will be talking about the social determinants of health. So they're really focusing also on food deserts and making sure that there are grocery stores that are bringing in the adequate produce that we need to, nutritious produce, that we need to keep healthy. They're, they will be talking about housing and how that impacts healthcare. They'll also be talking about employment opportunities for community residents because we need to have full employment in order to make sure all these other pieces work. And then they want to talk about walkable communities, communities where they can get exercise and, and great physical activity. So we're really excited about having these two visionary thought leaders to talk about community engagement. So, Millicent, returning to our overall theme, which is health equity beyond the headlines, how does all of this come together to make a great caucus? I think the program is going to take some deep dives into some hot-button issues around racism, around what those solutions portend. One of the things I've talked with several of the, the speakers, and they talk about microaggressions in, at the bedside, not just with patients, not just with providers, but with patients as well, and how we solve that so that the providers can do their best in taking care of, of patients. They're going to jump into decisions around how do you get medical students through medical school and what that portends in terms of making sure that we get access to 
diverse providers. They're really going to jump into the institutions in terms of policies that institutions have that are, quite frankly, racist policies. But these policies need to be looked at from a different perspective. Panelists will be able to give us their solutions on how this might be done. Okay, so thank you, Melissa, for that wonderful summary, and it's going to be a great caucus. Now, if you're interested in attending, what you need to do is go to movementislifecaucus.com. That's movementislifecaucus.com, and click on the caucus tab, and you'll find all of the registration information is right there. And we would love to see you in person. Now, earlier in the podcast, we talked about health equity and the vicious cycle which exacerbates the health disparities that we're trying to eliminate. So, Mary, in closing, could you give us a recap, give us an overview of the Movement is Life mission, how we are approaching the elimination of disparities moving forward? So, Rolf, a movement is life is committed to eliminating health disparities, particularly in the field of musculoskeletal care. And by that, I mean spine and joint and orthopedic conditions. We know that movement is the key to life. And I will just briefly walk our listeners through what we call our vicious cycle because it really paints the picture of how critical musculoskeletal health is to overall health and how disparities occur. So when somebody has pain, for example, in their knee, they will stop moving. They lower their level of physical activity, which tends then to promote weight gain because they don't change their eating pattern. That weight gain puts more pressure on their knee, and you can see now there's a cycle. More pressure on the knee, more pain, less physical activity, more obesity, and that patient will end up developing for knee arthritis that can be very disabling. But that's not the only thing that happens because with that lack of physical activity and obesity comes the development of comorbid conditions such as heart disease, hypertension, diabetes, and depression. And so now we have an individual who is really sick with lots of chronic conditions that impact the quality of their life and require a lot of healthcare resources, which is where disparities in the delivery of care come in and disparities and biases, both conscious and unconscious, in how that individual experiences healthcare. Now, that cycle, that vicious cycle, can affect anyone. It can affect uh, an affluent white male. But we know that women and individuals of color are more likely to get trapped in that cycle because around that medical vicious cycle are social determinants of health. So we know that lower income individuals, I'll use the term disadvantaged individuals, are more likely to live in a neighborhood where there's a food desert. They don't have the same access to fresh fruit and vegetables at a reasonable cost. They may not be able to safely walk in their neighborhood. And surrounding those social determinants of health are public and private policies related to health care. And this is where we see policies such as bundled payments for joint replacement surgery disproportionately disadvantaging individuals that are sicker. And we use the terms 
cherry picking of healthy patients and lemon dropping of less healthy patients. And the less healthy patients are those patients that have been impacted by the medical vicious cycle. They have more obesity, more comorbid conditions like diabetes. They're not moving. They have knee arthritis. And we know that those individuals are going to be overrepresented in rural America and in communities of color and by women. So <laughs> that's what we're about. We're about breaking that vicious cycle and impacting social determinants and policies and all the things that contribute to disparities that so tragically affect so many Americans. Thank you, Mary, and thank you, Millicent. Thank you both for a really insightful walk through some of the highlights of our upcoming caucus, which is happening on November 10th and 11th. In a future episode, we're going to take a deep dive looking at the workshops which are part of the caucus. And if you can't attend the caucus, don't worry, because we'll be featuring many of the speakers and workshop leaders in future episodes of the Health Disparities Podcast. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.